Welcome to the Fresh Vending Podcast, where we discuss how smart vending machines are revolutionizing fresh food accessibility for both creators and consumers. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the Fresh Vending Podcast. Uh, I am Isaac with my co-host Nathan here. Hello everyone. And today we are pleased to be speaking with Dr. Anita Hicks. Dr. Hicks is an Associate Director of Auxiliary Services at Oakland University in Michigan. She holds a degree in sociology and a master's of science and management, as well as a EDD in educational and organizational leadership. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. So Isaac and I uh, originally met uh, Dr. Hicks. It was at, uh, was it NACUS East, right? So NACUS is uh, an organization for higher education um, auxiliaries executives and just by coincidence here we are again meeting at NACUS in Toronto um, so a nice time to uh, reconvene and talk a little bit more about um, Dr. Hicks I know that Isaac and I when we originally met um, Anita we became very uh, interested in your dissertation could you share a little bit about um, what that was uh, or that experience for you yeah um, and it's NACUS East and Central. Okay. So it was a joint. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Right. It was Macus East and Central. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Larger audience. Um, so my dissertation, the whole focus was on adult learners and how several institutions don't necessarily have amenities, if you will, or a focus on that adult population. So why you think of it as people going to college and that they're 18 and they're adults, theoretically, um, the traditional model is they're right out of high school. And so they're not really looked at as a non-traditional or an adult learner. Mm -hmm. So my study was on the adult learner, which focuses more on, um, there's various ages out there, but somewhere around 24, 25 and older. Mm -hmm. So... You know, you hear about people 50, 60, 70 getting their college degree. And so if you think about it like that, you know that their needs are different. You know, you're 18 coming out of college or coming out of high school. Your experience will look a little bit different than if you're 35, 40 years old and you decide that you want to go back for your education. I can imagine it like there's just a lot less resources in general and you can kind of feel like you're going at it alone is that a fair statement it is a fair statement because that population tends to either work a full-time job Mm -hmm. have a family elder care uh, so their needs are different so they're coming to school for a specific reason you know it's either i want a promotion at my job i want to change jobs or um my company laid me off. You know, it's various reasons why that population is different, which is different than how a traditional university would treat them versus um, that high schooler who does not have those life experiences. Mm-hmm. Was there anything, I mean, you dove obviously very deep into this topic. Was there anything that um, particularly drove you, perhaps like a personal experience um, into this topic that made it, you know, that much more engaging that made you want to dive in? Yeah, I looked at a lot that that population, the older you are, you learn differently. Mm-hmm. You don't retain the information as well. And so food becomes very key 
Because if you've worked all day or you've cared for someone, a lot of times those classes tend to be in the evenings or on weekends. And depending on where that institution is, and using mine, for example, uh, there's not a lot of food service outlets that are open seven, eight, nine o'clock at night for you to get that nourishment. Right. Uh, so what my research found in talking to various people, not only in my class, but just following people, is that you really need that source of energy. You know, food is a fuel. And if you don't have that available, just watching people, how they functioned in their classes, you know, are you tired? You've worked all day. You come and you're trying to uh, do these higher level courses, you know, which is already taxing. Mm -hmm. um, so food becomes a really key component in how you just manage, manage your body, manage your mind. Mm -hmm. Makes, yeah, that makes a ton of sense kind of thinking about it. I know um, for myself, kind of one of the big drivers or like awakening moments for me personally in like starting Food Spot was when I was um, going to high school in the inner city. And we talked about this in one of our previous podcast episodes of, you know, I had the friends that their parents were the doctors and lawyers. And I also had the friends that their parents weren't maybe not in the picture for various reasons and mm -hmm. going over their house. And there's just like the ketchup and the beer. And there's not really anything else in the fridge. And then in my 20s, as I became a campus executive chef at UC Berkeley, I saw maybe not my friends, but similar circumstances. And it's really cool sitting here talking to you because it feels like um, it's just kind of like how uh, food insecurity kind of uh, evolves through different stages of people's lives. So it was really for Isaac and I, it was really exciting to be able to sit down and talk about you because we hadn't really thought through that with our technology and what we're trying to solve for and how you know, it kind of extends to different periods of people's lives. Well, and I think the assumption is if you are at the college level that you have food to eat and that's mm -hmm. not really. Or that you just have money in your pocket to begin with, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it's proximity. And I think this sounds like from what you're saying is that it can both be a, do you have money in your pocket and B, even if you did, is there food in proximity that's nutritious? Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of fuel that adult learner. Yeah, and I think that that was a key for me. You know, you have a Saturday course, you yep. know, and those courses may be all day because you're either in your master's program or your doctoral program. And so if those outlets aren't open and you get 20 minutes for lunch, mm -hmm. where do you go in that 20 minutes? Do you go to a fast food chain? Because now you're on a campus, so you have to drive you know, and figure out how am I going to eat? How am I going to get back? Digest that in a 20, 30 minute window. Right. And what, at the end of the day, even if you're fortunate enough to be able to get that fast food meal, like what's the true nutritional value of that? Um, so, I mean, was this, ironically, was this something that you were experiencing when you were working on your doctoral program? Yeah. And okay. I, I think I started somewhat in a different direction. I knew I wanted to focus on the adult learner and their experience because it started out with academics is usually the focus, but we're finding over the years is that you have to have the socialization, the other components in order to put it all together um, fairly to have that college experience. And so for me, it started with, okay, I'm just going to focus on the adult population and they learn different. 
that's great. But then you started uh, moving through the program and really sitting there working all day. And now it's five or six o'clock in the evening mm -hmm. and you're looking for something to eat. And it may or may not be a vending machine mm -hmm. or it may or may not be sandwiches. And so it was interesting for me being able to have the conversations with food service to say, um, can we get more nutritional items in? Can we extend the hours? Because there's a whole population out here that wants to eat. We want them to be successful. You know, you come to college, yeah. particularly as that adult, you're coming to college for a specific reason. And so the obstacles and the challenges are a little bit greater. And so you don't want food or the lack thereof, the resources, the brain power to be one of the reasons why you're not succeeding. How did those conversations go with the dining services? They went well. Yeah. Um, because it's one thing to see it, yeah. you know, to sit behind the scenes or at your desk and say, can you change this? Or how about this? How about that? I was fortunate to be in the position where I was living it every day. I was watching um, students that were in my group as well as other students. And I just happened to be in the position to go to food service or dining to say, hey, you know, can we add some additional hours or how much sodium is really in what we're, you know, yeah. we're microwaving. Do you really want them to eat a muffin at seven o'clock at night when they worked all day? Mm. You know, can we figure out the soups? Uh, but that was just by chance that I started to pay attention to that and shifted my research um, to focus more on what you need to succeed. And for those who may not be afforded those resources, the assumption is that everyone has if you are in college. I know it's really interesting in some of the conversations that Isaac and I have had, um, and I'm guessing that you saw this too, or have experienced this, is that when you're talking to somebody about what we do or about what you do, and you know they joke about, you know, oh, I'm in the college student living off of ramen, and then they realize during the conversation that they were food insecure, but they never thought about it in that context when they're kind of reflecting um, back on their, you know, if they were having a, uh, you know, a teenage college experience. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's really, I think that's really interesting when you have those, those moments with people, were you able to find, um, through your research? I mean, I imagine that what you just explained is kind of everywhere, or it's kind of the, the norm for the vast majority of adult learners in, in um, higher education. Were you able to find any institutions that particularly did a good job at this or, or were cognizant of it? Yeah, it's a couple of institutions and because that was a part of my research was to really see the variance and, okay, who has a program for that adult population? Who does not? And I think sometimes it comes down to finances and resources, but there are a handful of institutions without listing them that have the right idea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them, even uh, one of the boards that I sit on, uh, one of the members is from Hawaii. So she's at University of Hawaii mm -hmm. and they have a full program. 
that is geared towards that and a budget that now helps out with those resources. So it's not just how are we going to do this? Because anytime you want to change the culture, if you will, of how a program is functioned, higher ed has traditionally functioned, unless it's specific to a specific group, um, people coming right out of high school. So yes, you've always had more adults going into college, Mm -hmm. but if you think about the marketing and just look at various institutions, look at their admissions, a lot of what they're targeting is that younger Mm -hmm. adult. Mm -hmm. So you can find it out there, um, but it's just not the traditional college experience because they're not staying in housing. Yeah. Right. Yep, you know, so they don't have a meal plan. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we can get access to one. Yeah. But when you think about how am I eating and that older adult, the resources just aren't as plentiful as if I was staying on a campus. Yeah, I can I can definitely testify of that. As a adult learner myself, I am twenty seven at this point. Okay. I graduated I graduated college in 2020. I went out in the industry and worked for a bit, and now I'm getting my master's again. And it is a very interesting experience to be on a campus as a 27-year-old, as a grad student, because I'm used to having all the messaging being directed at me when I was an undergrad. It was like, okay, I was on campus, in classes, in-person classes all the time. Signs, posters of this program, that program, these resources to help, um, whether it's from a food security piece or maybe help tutors or help with tutoring in a class. But as a grad student, there's very few, I guess, messages that are directed to me, right? I'm not on campus. I feel like I'm way less connected to the community. The only messages I pay attention to are from the grad school itself. And I've only attended events that um, are sent to me as a grad student from the grad school. So that makes sense that there needs to be specific programs that target these adult learners because that's when they listen. It's not, it's, it's just very, I don't know, it's, it's not uh, likely that they're going to be on campus and be in that community and just run into these programs by happenstance. It needs to be a very targeted program. So I've definitely felt that for sure. Well, and oftentimes, and maybe even with your program, you're in a different building. So yeah. those classes that you're taking are not always with the undergrad population right Right. you know it may be a handful but those evening classes weekends um, are often not in a populated area where those food service locations are have you ever seen anita like anywhere like for example we talked about the um where we are this weekend at at, uh, nakis in toronto have you seen out there with any of the industry resources um where they're really helping universities, higher education, learn about how to have a comprehensive program that takes care of the whole person for adult learners? I think that they're starting to talk about it. Originally, I felt it was more adult learners was more of a buzzword. Right. And now um, with the pandemic and more people were online and now they're coming back is really looking at, okay, this is a real situation. Um, various institutions now, including mine, have a food pantry. Mm -hmm. And so that has helped, 
you know, but you still tend to get a lot of those packaged meals mm. that are may not be afforded to a graduate or adult student because you may not know that that's there. Right. Or based the, or on the, the pantry hours aren't conducive when you're going in the evening. Mm -hmm. You got to be there when the pantry's open. You got to find a kitchen to cook. Do you know how to cook? I think there's some layers of challenges mm -hmm. in there for sure. Yeah, I have seen more um, with dining services, looking at teaching kitchens and how can we prepare these meals um, that are less um, than nutritious, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're not saying that you shouldn't eat ramen or you, everything has to be nutritious. But what we're saying is, is what are you feeding your body? Mm. Yeah, the fuel to learn for the your fuel. brain, for your brain, so your brain's optimized. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that we, we like to talk about a lot and say that, you know, our, our mission is not to um, try to make everybody eat fresh food all the time. I think our, 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 our mission is to make sure that it's always an option, right? So that you can make good choices because we all like uh, a slice of chocolate cake uh, once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, even, you know, instant ramen also has its place. But um, yeah, I think just, I mean, we, I think when Isaac and I and the rest of our team talk about it, we feel more like the type of society that we live in the United States modern day, like so much food goes in the garbage every year. There's no reason that all Americans, you know, shouldn't have the option regardless of proximity or how many dollars are in their pocket to make a healthy decision when they want to. Well, and, and even just looking at buffets and events that you go to, uh, we're here for a conference. Yeah. And I just said to Isaac, are you going to go downstairs and grab a sandwich? Mm. You know, I've watched them and so much of that food is not eaten mm -hmm. and they can't just repackage it or repurpose it. So it does go to waste. And it's funny. It's that, that whole topic <laughs> is a very much an overlap with another podcast episode we did that we won't dig into deeply, but a big part of um, that is that operators don't have a place where they can safely, you know, you know, guide that food to different parts to people in different places. And that's kind of something that um, we really pride ourselves in, in trying to be that, that change within, within higher ed so that you can take leftovers and have them, ready for people to either buy or, um, you know, get through a subsidy mm -hmm. immediately after the, whatever the vendor or the event's done, but, yeah. uh, a conversation for another time. Mm -hmm. and, and when you have that conversation for another time, it would be interesting in what state those regulations are as to how long you can leave the food out. Mm -hmm. How do you properly dispose of that food? And if you have pasta that's sat out, for three hours, can you give it to the next person? And so I would be interested in what that that's, looks like. Yeah, and I think that's really the crux of what you talked about is it's like the, the food safety and the traceability aspect of it, Absolutely. which is the legal liability. And I know for myself as somebody that spent a couple decades with my hands in food, um, that it just, it drives you absolutely crazy when you know you have high quality food in your you're throwing it in the garbage is what you're doing. And there's nothing short of just wasting high quality food when you know there's people in close proximity that need it. And I think that the fundamental shift that's happening now is we actually have the technologies out there where we can start making real strides, but the uh, American food system is a very large, complicated, um, you know, 
uh, beast. So it's something that it's going to take time, but I think we're really poised for some positive change in that environment. Yeah, I think when you talk about the sustainability mm-hmm. of how you dispose of items, um, that'll come into play too, mm-hmm. you know, because pulling it into that college experience, there's different types of food. You know, maybe that student wants pizza and a burger, but we felt like you should have a salad. You know, as you mentioned, it's the options to have something versus not having anything at all. And I think for me, that is what was key with my research um, Mm -hmm. that I took back and presented was we are not saying that don't have that greasy burger. But what we are saying is from a college level experience, think about your own body, what you're putting into that. But more or less, uh, what is that institution marketing and offering for you to have a fair chance at having something? Yeah, I think that's really well put. Isaac has uh, a saying, you're probably going to have to correct me on this, Isaac. I think you say something along the lines of um, be your own scientist. Mm-hmm. when it comes to your own body because everybody is different to oh, your point yeah and figuring out um what works best for you because i think there's so many like broad strokes prescriptive uh statements out there in programs and that's really a great way to um uh, to look at it so uh we're here at nacus have you seen any cool innovations technologies programs and talking to not only the business partners, but your colleagues in food service and auxiliary service. Have you kind of sparked any, have those have sparked any ideas in terms of what food service or dining services can do on campuses to solve this issue that you're talking about? I think nothing specific, but I'm excited that it's the awareness is coming to light. Yeah. Um, Because a few years ago, we wouldn't have been having this conversation. So the hope that is with more of the dining um, business partners here, that they know that food insecurity um, is really at the forefront and it's not going away. It's not a buzzword um, that we really need to make sure that everyone is able and inclusive when it comes to food. Yeah, I think that's really kudos to you, though, too, because, I mean, this is something that I mean, Isaac, I'm a, Isaac and I have this podcast and we talk about these types of topics all the time. And you're the, one of the reasons, among many, that we wanted you to be our first guest we've ever had on the podcast is because you kind of brought to light this other aspect of the adult learner that once you start talking about it, it makes complete sense. But just like the vast majority of the universities out there, Isaac and I were thinking about that more traditional, um, you know, late teens, early 20s type mm-hmm. student. So... It's really um, great that, you know, we can kind of, in our own small way, kind of help amplify that message. So thank you for, um, you know, taking some uh, time out of your busy schedule uh, before you ha- hop on the train back to, uh, to Oakland to, you know, just talk with Isaac and I about this. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Any uh, closing thoughts from either of you about food insecurity and adult learners? Or any other things that you'd like to say to the audience? Um, just, I recently won a research grant to continue my research. Congratulations. That's really fantastic. For adult learners. So I will dive into this a little more. Where did the grant come from? Um, NASPA. 
Very cool. Congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah, thank you. And I think for my myself, the only cr- closing remark that I would have is that um, we, our company, Food Spot, Isaac and I, and the rest of the team, we really like focusing on higher education because we feel like um, it's just a smaller version of what's broken in the American food system. So it's really exciting to think about if we can help with this distribution of fresh food problem. Um, you know, the sky's the limit of how that could impact higher education and the broader American food system. And just opening people's eyes because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. We go through our own individual lives and unless you're in the industry or experience it, you may not really realize that this situation exists. So there was hope. I think a message of hope is always a good way to, uh, to wrap up a uh, podcast. Any closing sentiments on your side, I think? Yeah, you know, we had a booth at the conference this, this week. And at a booth, you have to be proactive and get people to come in, obviously, to talk. But the times that people came and stopped on their own accord, it was because of a very specific reason. And that's because they saw one word on our banner. On our banner, it says, End Food Insecurity Now, with a picture of our fridge. And those that stopped proactively are those that looked at that sign and, and saw that word. And so people are aware of it and yeah. people are wanting to address it on the campuses. So I would say that's a point of hope for me. Brilliant. Well, um, again, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Hicks, for joining Isaac and I yeah. in the podcast. And uh, we look forward to crossing paths uh, again in the future. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show this week. If you're interested in learning more about smart vending platforms, you can visit us at launchfoodspot.com. I'm Nathan Downs, and you've been listening to the Fresh Vending Podcast.